Welcome back, friends, one and all, to Daybreak Devotions brought to you by the McLeansville Baptist Church. I'm your host today, Pastor Corey Cantrell. So excited to be introducing today's broadcast and welcoming you back with us in the continuation of the week of festivities of the wonderful Christmas season. I love this time of year. I hope that you have been able to laugh and cry and enjoy some great times together with your friends, with your family. I hope Daybreak Devotions has been a little bit of a source of that. I know we've been able to do a lot of fun things over the last couple of weeks, but I have really gotten some help in my own life from reviewing the the verses that remind us of Christmas, our favorite songs. I've even enjoyed the the jovialness of just our favorite books and toys and all that this time of year just you just can't help but but be filled with a little bit of nostalgia and uh remembering the days gone by, but also appreciating the season that we're in right now and what we continue to have to look forward to. You see, we are all getting fewer and fewer Christmases rather in front of us as we accumulate more and more behind us. But that's the beauty of Christmas. The hope that we have in Jesus is that we, regardless of how, how far along life's journey we are right now, we have nothing but continued goodness to look forward to. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ reminds us that we are entering into a perpetual joy with Jesus. And we are invited into that perpetual joy right now as well. And I hope that you have enjoyed this season and continue to enjoy the next few days. Yesterday, we played part one of a throwback, uh, well, I guess yesterday was a throwback Tuesday, making this a, a throwback Wednesday. But we went back to an, an, an old Code of Man podcast that myself and Pastor Mike and Deacon Dean Carmichael have recorded that we featured on Midmorning Manna a few years ago, uh, just where we reviewed, we watched It's a Wonderful Life, and and we were taking notes and and how it was applying to our present day life and lessons that we were learning from it, how we can go and live a truly wonderful life. And we're going to pick back up where we left off with yesterday's broadcast, and I hope that the conclusion of this this discussion will be a help to you as well. But One thing that I do want to remind you of, we announced yesterday on the broadcast, and all week long we'll be talking about this, and uh, when Pastor Mike and I return to mutual recordings for tomorrow's broadcast, we're going to flesh out a little bit more of of what this change for Daybreak Devotions and in our personal life and things like this, what what all is this going to look like? What's the reason behind it? What's the purpose behind it? But... Uh, don't forget, Monday morning, Daybreak Devotions moves to its new time slot of 9.45 in the morning. And it's going to be a 15-minute broadcast all throughout the course of next week. We're going to be airing uh, one of the messages from McLeansville from uh, times past that we have broken up. It'll fit into the, the season that we as a church are in, we as a, a community are in, the, the special emphasis that we feel the Lord is leading myself and Pastor Mike to, to bring to you. And we'll introduce each day and the scope and the theme of the message. And sometimes it'll be me, sometimes it'll be Pastor Mike, sometimes it'll be a combination of both of us here in the recording studio. But we're excited to be making this transition, and we hope that you'll join us each morning, 9.45 to 10 o'clock on WPET AM 950. 
And we also want to remind you that January the 1st, the Daybreak Devotions podcast is going to become the Way of Holiness podcast. So you'll be able to log right on the exact same way, but maybe you've not been a Daybreak Devotions podcast listener and you're intrigued about what we're talking about. What we're going to do is we're going to have uh, one recording that will upload at the very beginning of the week. Uh, it'll be a little bit longer in length than the typical podcast because what we're going to do is we're just going to give you the entirety of the week right there that you can listen to it on your own schedule. But that'll be where Pastor and I will, uh, we're still going to have some fun together because that's just part of our nature. It's what we do. But we're also going to be able to uh, deep dive in some conversations where our hearts are at, where the Lord is leading us as pastors of McLeansville Baptist Church, and also where you can get some, uh, some gleanings and some help from that as well. So Monday morning, big changes here with McLeansville Baptist Church's radio ministry. Daybreak Devotions moves to 945 to 10 o'clock on WPET, and the Way of Holiness podcast begins its uploading and its new format as well. So many exciting things. We hope that you will stick around with us and continue to see what the Lord is going to do in and through your life. So at this time, let's turn our attention back to the conclusion of yesterday's broadcast. But the key is, what is the found, what's your foundational understanding of what you're doing? Because early in the movie, the scene before he leaves to go to the, the dance, the high, the high school dance, his father, Peter, you know, George says, you know, I, I want to do something big. I, I, I can't stand a thought of being you know, stuffed up in his crummy little office, nickel and diamond, save three cents on a length of... Oh, and his, I'm sorry, Pop. Yeah, and, and his, he says, I want to do something big. And Peter says, his dad says, well, George... In a way, I think what we're doing here is something big. We're helping you know people get a home, and we're helping their lives. And you know, George just doesn't quite get that. But if you can get that and understand that the foundation of your life is about what you do for God and others, pursuing your desires, it sort of anchors your desires to the right place. Yes, and think about it. think of all the people that helped out George. They were all in a different Sam Wainwright, for example. He helped out George tremendously. He, he, he gives George above and beyond, but he had that gift because of where he was in life. George would not be able to give what Sam Wainwright gave as regarding to money, but he could give something else. So based on our own unique path that God has for us, we all have something to give. I think that's kind of where you were. Well, and having that desire... Not, not losing desire in life, but learning to be content with where we are in life, I think is a scriptural truth that we see all through there. And Paul alludes to a lot of that when he's, I have learned both to abound and how to be abased. I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. There was absolutely nothing wrong with George having a desire to build bridges a mile long and skyscrapers a hundred stories high and desiring to travel the world. What and, about having a couple of harems? There might have been <laughs> might have been something a little wrong with that, but as far as the desire to do all of these things was perfectly fine if he would have also been content with where he currently was in life because it was not that he had failed to acquire these things due to a lack of hard work on his behalf. It wasn't that he was a lazy man and therefore wasn't achieving his dreams. He wasn't achieving his dreams due to unforeseen life circumstances, having to make other choices in other areas. So his not having his dreams was out of his control. Yeah. So learn to be content with 
where life has you, find the goodness there, and continue to desire and pursue those things. And that's the key to having the wonderful day-to-day life that we're looking for. I see so many connections to the Sermon on the Mount in this, and it's because we can put the words of Jesus into the context here. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, you need clothes. Yes, you need food. Yes, you need to you know, live a full life and, and seek the desires of your heart, but, but anchor yourself into seeking the kingdom of God first and let God lead you as he will. I'll go get some real quick. My goodness, this gets me every time. So this is, for those of you who have not seen the movie, this is George and Mary's honeymoon. And because George was such a selfless individual, they had to spend their honeymoon in that old broken down home. Why don't you start that last line over again? Because I did sniff accidentally in the middle of you saying Well, I think it adds... Uh, something to it because I was getting a little <laughs> okay. teared up myself. I didn't want anybody to know, but but uh. so anyway, Bert and Ernie, no relation to Sesame Street, are outside of this their future home singing for them, and they pretty much couldn't go on their honeymoon because there's this big fiasco at the bank. George and Mary end up giving their own money to the townspeople to hold them over until they could get their actual money. So we we won't go into all that. But the one thing about this scene that's so key in the movie is that had George had went and pursued all those things he wanted, he wouldn't have seen Mary at the dance that night, and they probably wouldn't have gotten married. And thank God for all the interruptions in our lives and staying where he wants us, because we may miss a key part of our life. George was in no way, shape, or form where he wanted to be. But he met a key part of his life, and that was the rock of his marriage, Mary. And that's what she wished for that night when she threw the rock. She wished that they would get married and that they would live in that home. And because of that, because of George staying and and not pursuing what he wanted, but staying where God wanted him, he was introduced further to Mary, and they, they had that life together. Here's the thing I see transpiring here in the flow of this conversation. We've highlighted where George was struggling, but but what happens in the movie is he reaches a point after they give their money and they save the building and loan and the war breaks out and they start having children and, and things are going along. George kind of settles in and sort of makes that decision. You, you get the idea, okay, all right, I'm on board with this. This is where I'm at. This is life. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the best of it. There's that underlying dissatisfaction and, and maybe a resentment, but he settles into it. And, and here's what I think. Make an application. There are men who 
gave up on desires, gave up on their dreams at some point, and just settled and said, okay, whatever, I'm just going to. But but they're harboring resentment and they're harboring bitterness, okay? So that's one thing. That needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But let's say that George had none of that and he just, you know, he's just one of those guys where some of the men will get in life where they're like, okay, all right, I wasn't meant to do this. I wasn't meant to do that. And I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with this. <laughs> Once he owns it, he yeah. owns where his life is, watch what happens. Enter temptation in the form of one Henry F. Potter. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? My point? The point is I want to hire you. Hire me? Yeah, I want you to manage my affairs, run my properties. George, I'll start you out at $20,000 a year. $20,000? $20,000 a year? You wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town, buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of business trips to New York a year, maybe once in a while Europe. You wouldn't mind that, would you, Jones? Would I? You're not talking to somebody else around here, are you? You know, th- this is me. You remember me? George Bailey. George Bailey. George Bailey, whose ship has just come in. Provided he has enough brains to climb aboard. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? When a when a when the man a man gets to that place where he says, you know what, life actually is good. I I don't have to have all the trappings to feel successful. Mm-hmm. You watch how quickly the enemy will dangle the carrot in front of you. Well, he lets his guard down. So, Martini's house. George is standing on the porch with Mary, and they are making that speech to Martini and his wife. You know, here's the bread that you never go hungry, salt. Sam Wainwright pulls up, and he's got a driver. He's got this beautiful girl next to him, this really fancy car. And you see George... And you see Mary, oh, who cares? And she keeps going. But George is distracted. Mm -hmm. You can tell. He's trying to focus, and he's waiting on his part with the wine where he gives it to Martini. But he keeps looking at Sam. And then when they talk to Sam and Sam drives off, what does George do? He goes over to his car and kicks the door in. And the very next scene is when Potter offers George, what, 10 times his income mm-hmm. for, for a new job? So that just goes to tell you, George lets his guard down. He's accepted, okay, this is where I'm at in life. This is what I'm doing. I'm making a difference. Yep, I'm making a difference. Here's what I got. I got beautiful kids, a beautiful wife, but he lets his guard down. It's like the old cartoons where the little devil angel yep. pops up on the shoulder. Ah, but, yeah, yeah, but look, you forgot. Remember, you wanted this. Yep, and... Potter, the ultimate opportunist, comes right in when George is envious of his friend. Say my the envious to... ones, George. The yeah, suckers. The suckers, yeah. Sentimental hogwash. So how does George then respond to temptation or temptation? Okay, George. Okay, Mr. Potter. No, no, no. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I don't need 24 hours. I, I don't have to talk to anybody. I know right now. And the answer is no, no. Doggone it. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, 
In the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. You... And that goes for you, too. And it goes for you, too. And there you have it. Now, I want to say this. George overcomes the temptation, at least on the surface. And if we had time, we don't. But, boy, you could dive into this with... So so he wins the battle on the surface, but deep down inside of him, Potter's got hooks in his heart right now. Yes. And Potter made a mistake. He shook his hand. Mm. See, George was like Lot. He was pitching his tent towards Sodom. I mean, mm. he's considering this. Well, you know, let me go home and talk to my wife about it. Let me, let me actually... And as soon as he grabs Potter's hand and... It's like the prodigal son. He came to himself. Mm-hmm. He realized, he's like, this It's like a Christian who really gets away from God, and you're out in the world, and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I want. What am I doing here? Yeah. And then you go back home, you go back to your father. That's what George did. He, he's like, what am I? I'm shaking hands with Mr. Potter in his office considering working for him. I like your uh, bringing Abraham and Lot into that because when you were talking about George in the earlier scene, before the temptation comes with Potter. See, George's focus got off again, yes. again, like pitching the tent towards Sodom. But if George had just kept his focus, he was surrounded by everything that mattered. Right. He was surrounded by his wife, his friends, actual success in the form of, look what we're achieving together. We're building something together as a community. And when he got his eyes off of that, that opened the door for temptation to come in. Yeah. So I think a point, takeaway point for us, for the listener is, look, keep your eyes on the things that really matter in life. Remember what God has given you, what God has equipped you with, what he's blessed you with, because the enemy's going to be waving. I think it's important, too. It doesn't matter how strong you are today because you can be equally as weak tomorrow. Because the thing that I took from the run on the bank scene, everything that you just said that George needed to do is exactly what George was encouraging all of those people that were trying to withdraw their money. He was trying to say, look, we have done this together. I can't give you your $200 because your $200 is in so-and-so's house and it's invested in their farm. And we have all done this together. We need to gather gather our senses, get get our bearings about, but understand that we're in this thing and we're supporting one another. And so right there, George is strong. But then a little while later, circumstances happen, and then George gets weak again. And that's important to remember because right now we might feel, man, I'm, I'm messed up. Or we might feel, yeah, I'm strong. This thing is... This thing is a cycle, and we need to understand we could be high today, low tomorrow, but the important is always refocusing. Well, Lot's heart never left Egypt. Lot liked what he saw, but then they left, and Abraham repents. Abraham gets back on track. He, his faith, you know, his fellowship, everything is restored. But Lot is still thinking about the big city life. He likes what he saw, so he doesn't hesitate to go to Sodom. That's what he wanted. Same thing with George. He has established and he has accepted the fact, but deep down, way down, he still wants that that big dream that he had. So when Sam Wainwright comes to town, he's reminded of that very quickly, and he, instead of just swatting that fly away and just you know getting rid of that itch, he begins to dwell on it. 
And that's when that's when Potter comes in. It's the uh, it's the fulfillment of Psalm 106 verse 15. It's talking about e- uh, the Israelites when they came out of Egypt in the wilderness, lusting after the flesh, you know, the the meat and all that stuff. And it says, and he God gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, in George's story, he can look back and say, "Thank you, Lord, you didn't give me what I was searching, because." I would have missed everything that I ended up with. You know, that scene where he loses it at home, we'll, we'll come to that yeah. maybe, but that scene where he loses it at home and he is complaining about the house. He's complaining about, why do we have to have all these children? You call this a happy family? Yeah. You know, they're, they're, boy, that is. And I'll tell you, way back to where we started on this podcast, do you know why in your mid-30s you connect with this movie more? Because of that scene. Yes. It's that scene that at, in your 30s you start to look at and you have you're you're battling the very thing George is battling there you're saying you know I, life's not fair and it's not working out and 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 all these frustrations and when do I get what I want you know right. and and but George Bailey overcomes temptation so that didn't work the next thing the enemy will bring into your life dear sir is the trial he he comes in that day he's all excited because you know, Harry's coming home. He's a war hero, and and they got to have lunch with the president's wife. His mom did, and he shows up at the building alone, and and the bank examiner's there. Oh, I'd like to spend uh, Christmas at in Elmira with my family. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Billy comes in all distraught because he's lost this money. George finds out. They search the building alone. They go to Uncle Billy's house. They cannot find it. George blows it at Uncle Billy's. Well, roll that beautiful Bedford Falls. Did you put the envelope in your pocket? Yeah, no, All right. no, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't want any. Maybe. We've got to find that money. I've no good deal. Uncle Billy, look, I, I, do you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Someplace you would have, someplace you hide the money? I come over the whole house, even in rooms that have been locked since I lost Laura. Listen, listen to me. Thank Thank I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore. It hurts. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? You realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Meanwhile, back at the Bailey home... Must she keep playing that? I have to practice it for the party tonight, Daddy. Mom said we could stay up till midnight and sing Christmas carols. Can you sing, Daddy? Better hurry and shave. The families will be here soon. Family? I I don't want the families over here. Come on out in the kitchen with me while I finish dinner. Goofy! Have a hectic day? Oh, yeah. Another big red-letter day for the Baileys. Daddy, the Browns next door have a new car. You should see it. Well, what's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? Yes, Daddy. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse you for what? I burp. All right, tell me your excuse. Now go on upstairs and see if little Zuzu wants anything. Zuzu? Well, what's the matter with Zuzu? Oh, she's got a cold. She's in bed. Caught it coming home from school. They gave her a flower for a prize, and she didn't want to crush it, so she didn't button up her coat. What, is it sore throat or what? Just the cold. The doctor says it's not The doctor? Serious. Was the doctor here? Yes, I called him right away. He said it's nothing to worry about. Is she about. running at temperature? What is that? Just a teasy one. 99.6. She'll be all right. 
Of course, it's this old house. I, I don't know why we don't all have pneumonia. Drafty old barn on a place. Might well be living in a refrigerator. Why do we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's wrong? Wrong everything, Troy. You call this a happy family. Why do we have to have all these kids? Dad, how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't know. If I ask your mother. Where are you going? Going up to see Zeus. You told me to ride a plane for tomorrow. So, here you have it. Yeah. The temptation couldn't get George. Big, big trouble in Bedford. Well, the temptation could not get him. This, okay, $8,000 back then. That's a lot of money. That's their entire business. 110000 in today's due to inflation. And he's, he's very upset. Wow. Very upset. Anybody would be upset in this. But you, we, we've got to pause and remind ourselves, not only would anybody be upset in this situation, but George is reacting the way he is. Because this is not just about the $8,000. Mm-hmm. This is just a series of events all crashing down on them yes. at one time. And can we just say hallelujah for the day in our life when everything came crashing down Amen. and brought us to a place where we couldn't do anything to fix it. And from that scene, what I kind of took from George was that's the result of a man that has always been the guy that did the right thing. The guy that... Oh man, I wanted to do this, but okay, and you know, could fix it. Yeah, right. And all right, I, I, I'm going to do this. And rather than dealing with it, it internalizes, it internalizes, it internalizes. But your soul can only take so much before you eventually snap. And that's why, like, I took it, Mary and the children. When he has this explosion, they're so shocked because it is so out of character. You know, oh, man, we would have never thought George Bailey would have done that. He was such a nice guy. And when you get to that point where you internalize it, that pressure release has to eventually come out. It's why it was such a light switch with George when he has that uncharacteristic explosion. And he comes back down and he realizes, wow, I just, I crossed a line that that I've never crossed before. And because he's been dealing with what you're saying, all of these years long of issues, but he's not been dealing with them the right way. He's been compressing them or suppressing him, rather, mm-hmm. and then now they're, they're coming out. Well, that wraps up our It's a Wonderful Life review, as well as the lessons that you can learn for living a truly wonderful life as well. And I hope that you enjoyed this trip down memory lane as much as we did being able to share it together, and we look forward to the days that are ahead. And I hope you're join with us tomorrow. Pastor Mike and I will be back in studio together. And again, be going over a little bit more of what the future looks like for us and for the radio ministry. So we hope that you'll tune in with us there. Have a wonderful remainder of your day. We look forward to seeing you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.